1: and on to the page get it out of your head and on to the page get it
2: out of your head and on to the page welcome to on the page this is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting my name is Pilar Alessandra and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at on the page and joining me as podcast producer is handsome oh, Mike Siegel? Why do you
0: always give me that title? Well, that's not nice.
2: Because if you are well, it that, you should be called I that. I think it's just flattering. I, I, you're handsome, Mike Siegel. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Because you know, in a world of Mikes, this is what this is how that's how, how it Mike got his, mm-hmm. Yes,
3: exactly. It was the most
0: common name? Girl. I don't know about your kid's school, but there was like six Mikes in my class. No, mm, my dad's the name worst. is Mike. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. You're it's, talking to a Jennifer,
3: right? Right. <laughs> oh
0: yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And and a, a Sarah, but S A R A. Sarah. Also, well,
1: though I do get Sarah. Yeah. That's lifetime
0: of correcting people yes it? it is yeah. i need to
1: find a more creative way to spell my name
2: so what for we sure. have to do is now we since since we've distinguished mike from the other you know not as handsome Mikes. <laughs> okay like now we have uh and we have a uh, uh red-headed hottie jen klein oh. how's that is that good <laughs> yeah okay red-headed hottie jen and then as for sarah um beautiful mysterious sarah
1: <laughs> and you know
2: i forgot to ask how to uh, pronounce your last name Saidi. Saidi. Zara Saidi. Okay, so, so let me get right to this this wealth of talent that is around the, the, the table, not to mention even our producer, okay? No, yeah, No, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was
0: not included in yeah, that, and I'm okay with it.
2: I, I, yeah, just to sort of make sure that we, we talk about it, just right up front, um, Mike your, you just did a travel show. Yeah. And uh, can people still see it or has it...
0: Uh, April 23rd. Oh, cool. I don't know when this comes out. When does this come out? Um, I think would they have missed it.
2: I think it's coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. On CNBC. Like so
0: 1230 Pacific Time. That would be 330 Eastern, I guess. It's called I- Top ten, uh, 10 Things You Must Do in Taiwan.
2: Excellent, yeah. and and you got to go to Taiwan. I, I got to went do to that. Taiwan and shot cool. it. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that's so great! And you know, considering that like travel is your thing, because you also have a podcast called Travel Tales.
0: Traveltalespodcast.com. Check it out. <laughs> iTunes. And uh, I've traveled with you. Well, i met you overseas.
2: Yes, that's right. We've met overseas right. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I follow her around. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've met overseas a, a couple of times, me and handsome Mike. That sounds really... true <laughs> it's, it's not quite as exciting as that, mm, but no. let's, let's let everybody just wonder. Right. It's fine. I think so.
0: <laughs> That'd be good. I've been
2: married a long time. It's fine. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Live in the mystery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So everybody check that out. And um, Jen Klein... Oh, my God. Jen, the last time you were on the show, Jen, my goodness, it was... It was so long ago that Jen was like, yeah, I wrote I wrote a YA novel, but I don't know if it's going to get published. <laughs> oh my God, have things changed? First of all, um, uh, Jen is not only a YA novelist, she also is a writer on a show you may know called Grey's Anatomy. She also wrote, it's the Lifetime movie, The Choking Game, right? Yes. And that Lifetime. was out in, um, that was 2014? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, again, it seems like yesterday. Okay. It does. She's got a wealth of experience writing for other shows including um, uh, when you sort of your earlier days of writing, you were it was Emmy nominated, right? What were you n- not nominated uh, for? that
3: was Todd World on PBS when I was writing a lot of animation.
2: Excellent. It did
3: not win. We were beaten by Arthur the aardvark. Oh, God. God bless that aardvark, you know, he's got an in,
2: you know, <gasps> Arthur's a little political. Mm-hmm, Everybody mm-hmm. knows he knows people, you know, he goes to the right parties. That's just how Arthur is. Mm-hmm. He slept his way to the top, totally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then as far as your your YA credits, which are happening at the same time, you're a successful TV writer and you're a successful YA writer. In On May 3rd, your book Shuffle Repeat is mm-hmm. coming out, and before that Before that, because I'm going backwards now. All right. We had uh, Jillian Cade, Fake Paranormal Investigator. Right. And that came out last year, right? September. September 2015. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm exhausted even thinking about this. And then we've got something called Awesome Team Romance.
3: (laughs) I do. I have some. uh, Yes, those are unannounced yet. I do have two more books coming out, but I can't really talk about them because they're not announced in the trades yet. But, but they're be 2000... on two thousand. website. So I, are, I know. Okay. So I can
2: do that. But, 2017, but we're not, 2018. We're not really uh, announcing it. We're just, no, no, we're we're
3: just we're skirting around we're it. We're mumbling it.
2: That's right. Then, then, okay. Then with Sarah Saidi, um, what we've got with Sarah is that currently you write for iZombie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a really fun show. Um, and uh, before that, you, and, and also recently, you sold your debut YA novel, and it's called Never Ever, and you sold it to Viking Children's Books, Yes, it comes out June
1: 21st. You can pre-order it on Amazon now. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. So we have a lot to
2: talk about in terms of the writing world world we usually talk about, which is TV and film. And then we are going to also talk a little bit about this YA Mm -hmm. uh, book writing world, which actually a lot of people who listen, they are trying to do both as well. So I think that Mm this will be really handy. Um, Jen, I want to start with you because right before I came here, I was watching your last episode that you wrote. You have you have the writing credit on it, and it's called "There's a Fine Fine Line." Yes, and which we- is a song from Avenue Q. Oh, cool! <laughs> by the way, <laughs> <laughs> did 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 you come up with that, or like as far as the title goes, or how to like, or is that a mutual?
3: Um, we name our own episodes, and they're all named after songs. Oh, neat! So you can kind of pick and you kind of see, you start seeing on the writing staff who's a
2: musical theater dork and who really likes
3: pop music and <laughs> Thank you, you dork. Name them. And
2: awesome. And it's the, actually the first part of a two-parter, right? Mm-hmm. The, and so you, uh, this first hour, let me tell you, I'm not a regular Grey's Anatomy watcher. I'm just going to put that out there right there now, not because I don't enjoy it. It's just, I have, you know, everybody's got time. Right. right. To, you know, and they've all got their shows that they're, that they're queuing up and stuff. But when I watched this, I was like, this is one of those shows, one of those episodes that you could watch, whether you've seen it or not. It is a, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you structured it as a mystery while lacing in the relationships that we already have. And so anybody could come into it cold and just see this one episode and it's really gripping. I think you did Thank an amazing you. job. I loved it. Thank you so much. It was a departure from sort of the things that we're
3: usually doing. Um, and it was really fun for all of us. We had, a, we had a great time. It was great on set. It was great in the
2: room. It was great. So anybody who hasn't seen that, just you can get it on iTunes. I, that's how I watched it today. I assume so. Yeah, no, you can. <laughs> yeah, trust me. You can. It was great. It was really, really good. Um, so, And then, uh, Sara, you're on your... What what did you say your yes? Third so
1: I joined iZombie in season two, and mm-hmm. we start season three. We think right after Memorial Day. Okay. Yeah. So about a year.
2: Awesome. Um, so you know it's hard to talk to two writers about shows at one time, but I'm it's going okay. to I'm going to try. <laughs> um, what I'd like to know is um, is structure. I want to start right up front in terms of structural patterns that um, that doesn't mean that it's formula, but it's. You're hitting certain beats that you and your staff have decided upon um, week to week. And I was just wondering if um, you could tell me a little bit of what some of those patterns are, especially for people who watch, because then they can start recognizing some of those structural patterns, you know. And I was just... Maybe, Sarah, I'll I'll start with you as far as iZombie goes. I know it's half procedural, and it's also Mm. half...
1: I don't know, just fun and games, right? Yeah, I mean, we have a few serialized storylines, and then we always have our procedural story that we call the A story in the room. So it's basically... For those of you that have never actually seen i Zombie just uh, to tell you the concept of the show, it's a medical examiner who is a zombie and eats the brains of the victims to solve their murders <laughs> uh, so and it's very tongue in cheek and very self referential in tone, um, but usually, our process in the room is we have our what we call our b c and d stories that are more the serialized stories of the series, and so we kind of uh, decide you know what are the beats of those stories, what are the things that we need to pick up on from the previous episode. Um, Um, And then once we have all of that figured out, then uh, comes the fun of deciding what brain Liv is going to eat. So, uh, a lot of the times we try and come up with a brain that, uh, you know, is going to help us in terms of where her character is in her arc. Um, So, for instance, the episode that I did was called The Hurt Stalker, and we had her eat the brain of a psycho stalker, sort of a fatal attraction type character, uh, because it threw a huge wrench in her relationship with her boyfriend. She started snooping through his phone, reading his texts, and it was sort of like the A story and the crime also impacted our serialized story stories as well. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. What a good idea. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I mean, every week it's like, I mean, we kind of joke, we're like, what brains are she, is she going to eat in season five and six and seven? Like, you know, we've done so many, so it's a little bit tricky to think of like, okay, how can we do something new and how can we keep reinventing this? But it's really fun every week to come up with what the A story is going to be. But I
2: love the fact that the A story has to affect the serialized relationships or not has to, but that it, it works even better if it does. Yeah, absolutely. So that helps you think of the kind of brain that would get you to that personality that would get you there. Definitely.
3: I have a question about that. When you do it in the room, um, so you break all the stories separately or do you break them all do you break it all as an episode, or do you break the stories separately within the episode? We the generally... A you, the A, B, and C you break separately.
1: Yeah, we break the stories separately in the episode, so we know what the like loose beats are going to be, mm-hmm. and then we start putting what we call beats on the board, so mm-hmm. we have our little cards, and we write each of the beats, and we color code them based on yep. what storyline it is, um, and then we have a really fun day where it sort of feels like a puzzle, because you're putting the beats up. Uh, on the board trying to figure out what order they should go in. And then what we do after we know like the structure of the episode, the loose structure of the episode, we do something we call a massage pass. And that basically means um, Rob Thomas, our showrunner, um, takes us through each of the beats and we talk about them in great detail of what's going to happen in that scene. And whoever is writing that episode takes a ton of notes. Um, our writer's assistant takes a ton of notes and then you go off and write an outline. Are there is there actual massaging happening at the same time? <laughs> I wish
2: there was because that would be kind of cool. Like I'm nice. rubbing your shoulders yeah. and we're talking story. Maybe and...
1: season three we can we can you know have some, find some money in the budget for that. Just saying, I'm just making suggestions. <laughs> great.
2: people pay me for
1: my suggestions. I so there you one. go. There you go.
2: Is there any massaging going on? Uh, are you are you into massages? Over uh, at, that uh, is Grey's not something I can, I can discuss <laughs> uh, in a public forum. Okay. Clearly. all
3: right. Um, I have another question for Sarah because we have a similar. We do, we, that's very similar to what we do. And, um, we call it the weave is our puzzle mm-hmm. day, but I've heard it, for I think scandal calls theirs twinning when you put everything together. Yeah. So do you have a name for yours? Or just- I don't think
1: we do actually. Mm-hmm. We have to, we just say beats on the board and then we start getting into it, but we should come up with a clever name for it.
3: I mean, I don't know how clever ours <laughs> is, but it is like, th- there are often comments
2: about we're going to weave. Don't anyone weave the room?
1: Like yeah. the same jokes
2: are told every time. <laughs> but if you come that. up with a clever name for it, you might need a whole day of writing to get to the clever So Like right. now you're yeah. breaking story on the clever name. Then you have to, you know, it's just right. It, well, we're so constantly on, so. finding
1: ways to procrastinate and, Oh yeah kill time that way. <laughs> no, um, uh, I think that the, the
2: idea of relationship m- coming, that a case, a case of the week mm-hmm. would actually impact relationship is, is also the magic of grace. It seems like, mm-hmm. especially like what we were just talking about with your last episode, that even though it was a big mystery, you know, ultimately it's going to, really impact the marriage in a major way, so much so that you have to see at the second part to find out. Excellent. I love to hear that.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, we have, we have our medical cases, usually two ish per episode, but it can be more, it can be less depending. I mean, we we don't have a set formula. We will sometimes have a really, really big case that almost all of our doctors are on. We sometimes will have two smaller cases or even a third of someone who just comes into the ER and doesn't have surgery. It really depends on the story we're trying to tell that week about our characters and where the relationships are headed and what they're doing. Cause at the, at the end of the day on Grey's Anatomy, it really is about our people, our, our core people before
2: our, our core people are the heart of our show. What's as a writer, um, what's your favorite part to write? Like, do you like the medical? Do you like the relationships? Are there certain relationships you love to write?
3: Um, That is a good question. No, it really changes per week. Medical, I have a harder time with, but we have really smart, amazing doctor writers who are in the room with us who help us. So we can write. uh, Then the character says, medical, medical. And someone, and as long as we explain what that is supposed to be advancing for the plot and for the relationship, the doctors will come in and put push 10 C of so-and-so. We don't have to do that. I don't have to know how many CCs of (laughs) so-and-so anyone has to push. Um,
0: All I know is stat. You need something (laughs) stat. Stat. We have a lot of 10 blade.
3: 10 blade. What does that mean? When you, that's the blade they hand you before you slice into someone, oh wow. ten you know. blade, <laughs> yeah, and in fact, I believe we 've had questions asked of do we have eight blades do we have nine blades? It seems to always be ten blade. <laughs> when, when have you had to
2: take your kids you have you have two I know your boys, yeah, yeah. so I would imagine. <laughs> That there might be at least a yearly visit to the emergency room. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, the, the emergency rooms I've been to with those children in oh different my God. states. Every yeah. time I'm over, I just like Sam is just throwing himself off a couch and into yes, something. Sam you know, is just, the child who was impaled. Once, yeah. So. <laughs> so there's that. So when you go to the emergency room now with your kids, and you're hearing a certain language, are you trying to decode it at all? That's funny. You know what? Here's the great joy of being on a writer's staff is
3: that like someone else takes care of your kids. My parenting has <laughs> really really uh, become less. So really, it's my husband who's now dealing with emergency rooms. Is that terrible?
2: No, it's not terrible. Again, I know Jen personally, and I happen to know that she's incredibly hands-on. Like, I'll see her at an event, or I'll find out she was at an event I couldn't make. And I'm like, how was Jen able to go? And I couldn't go. She's writing 5,000 things at one time. She's cloned herself. (laughs) What about structurally... Again, I don't wanna go into sort of all the particulars of Grays because I know that um, it changes and mm-hmm. you know, and you're going with the relationships and stuff. But I think for maybe I think this is for, for, for both of you guys actually. For people who are trying to Structure out a one-hour show. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any particular magic to certain act outs? Let's say that generally it's a good idea that act one should have this, or act three should have this, or you know, um, any any things that you've sort of discovered as a writer in, in in this process.
3: I mean, I don't know how many acts your show is. We sorry? do six. Okay, we do six. Also, um, on a six-act show, you want to have. I mean, it, it does. It, it varies by episode, obviously. But you want to have, as far as act-outs go, you want to have something that is big at the end of every act. You want to have either a big reveal or, you know, it can be as big as, and then the car full of people crashes into the side of the building and explodes. Or it can be a character moment where someone says something weighty and important to another character or a relationship is turned on its head or a secret is told. Um I think act three should be big on an hour drama because you want people to come back at the end of, at the, you know, that's, that's when people could go, mm, maybe I'm going to change to this other channel and watch, watch this sitcom, and you don't want them to do that. So the third act, I'd say, is a really big one, and one is, should be really big.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think when we're doing our weaving in the room, a lot Mm -hmm. of times where we start is talking about what our act breaks are Mm -hmm. and getting those up on the board and then working around those.
2: And do you ever go back in and, and crank one, crank up the, the act breaks or do you ever shift them around and go, okay, we hit that too early. Let's see what happens if we move it to the end of act four. For sure.
3: I mean, a lot of times things can only be shifted so much because one thing leads to, the other, mm-hmm. to another in a story. But if there are, there, you will sometimes go, okay, let's see if there's a way to make this happen in Act 3 instead of Act 4, and then how does that affect every other story, and how can we make that, how can we make that happen? And that's why it's good to be in a room with a lot of really smart people who have answers <laughs> when you don't.
2: Now, before, well, not before, but, but we talked about last year, um, you also did this the Lifetime movie called The Choking Game. Mm-hmm. And that's seven-act structure, Right.
3: Oh, God, it's been so long now. How, long, how many acts was it? I think it ended up being... It might have been nine. Huh. So
2: mm-hmm. you just probably got this instinctively down now. You're probably going like... Oh, and I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no? I wouldn't go... Well, Sarah's written movies also for TV. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
1: I've, I wrote a feature that didn't have act breaks in it and then mm-hmm. sold it to ABC Family, which free form now, and then had to go in and put the act breaks, and that was an interesting exercise because you don't structure your... Right. features that way normally
2: well not consciously right yeah but right. you know like in my classes i make people do at least sort of eight beats of of eight beats for a feature yeah. so that is a seven act structure in a way right because the anyway the yeah spec, definitely
1: when you but, go into it you're like oh they're there i just never really realized that yeah, they were there. right if you didn't
2: break it that way but It just it's yeah. just
1: good storytelling that you've got
2: these twists and turns yeah. and we're talking about sort of every 10 to 15 minutes that there's something new that Mm -hmm. that you're hitting
1: that way. I am finding, I don't know if you find this to be true, Jen, but as far as like writing new samples go, Mm. a lot of my, a lot of times my reps tell me don't even bother putting in act breaks anymore because with the popularity of like cable shows, like people Mm. are kind of used to reading scripts with no act breaks now. So that seems to be the new trend in writing a spec. But don't you think again, like going back to the feature that you had to then break in
2: into act breaks it's there. They're it, there. They're, yeah.
1: I, I think people should
2: still keep them in mind as if. It yes. doesn't mean you have to distinguish it. Definitely. But otherwise, you know, you're not going to get that feeling. And it could eventually be broken up into commercials, you know? And yeah. it's kind of good to, to have those options, too, as far as selling. No, but, but you're
3: right. There's a natural... I mean... When I've been doing YA books, you and you talk to the YA editors. They will talk about the first, second, and third act, really? even though there's you know you're broken up into twenty or thirty, however many chapters in the mm-hmm. book. You the, you will still discuss this is kind of chapter one or outline. Okay. Can I not talk act one, act two, act three? Mm-hmm. Because I think there is a natural progression to storytelling and how stories naturally rise and fall.
0: But if you if you turn in say a feature script, and then they say, well, we're gonna have to go back and break it up into acts. Is it I don't know how the networks do this, but is it timed out right to the like the minute, like say eight pages it has to be the break here, or we have eight minutes before the first commercial? I mean or is it loose? Can you just I do think- your natural beats?
1: I'm trying to remember. I think when I uh, worked with ABC Family, they did have a breakdown that they gave me that was basically like, "Here's how many minutes each act generally is," and so you're able to sort of translate minutes into pages, and mm-hmm. that definitely helped. I think the first act is always a little bit longer,
3: right? Um, to suck you in, yeah. I think I found that it was yes, but ish. You know, we'd like it to be six to eight minutes. We'd like it to be so you had some wiggle room. If oh, there was you did? An act okay. That needed to, yeah. I mean, it's not to the minute, but it's it 's an ish
2: I think that the wiggle room is important to give writers so that you can feel creative that you 're not feeling like oh my gosh, this has to land exactly at this particular minute point, mm-hmm. but to say ish so that you know if something feels like it has to be a tiny bit longer or we feel like we have to cut it off right that mm-hmm. that 's yes. there um, so okay, so I, I keep sort of going. Back and forth, um, we've got we've been talking about one hour. and Then we were talking about about um, writing TV movies. Actually, you guys like do too much. It's a little <laughs> confusing. That's, it's crazy. Um, let's let's go to writing your your writing break. As far as how you got. I'm going to, I'm going to start with you, John, as far as how you got Grey's Anatomy, because I remember like you, (laughs) like you were studying this show. You were inside and out as far as like getting this, you know, you knew Grey's Anatomy more than anybody else on the planet. Is that one thing that you would suggest for people who are, you know, trying to,
3: yeah, I mean, I loved the show. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was helpful for me. Um, I mean, I would say this to anyone who's an aspiring television writer is you need to love television and you, you know, you occasionally meet people out in the world who say, Oh, I don't really watch TV, but I'm trying to write this pilot. And you go, why are you trying to do that? If you don't love the medium, why are you, why is this, what are you thinking? I mean, do you meet these people, Sarah, or if you, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: They're like, I'm going to do this because it's popular.
3: Yeah, but maybe I'll make TV a lot of money someday. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no. And it's a lot faster
1: to write a script than a novel, oh, so God, I'll start yes. there.
3: yeah. <laughs> There's so much more white on the page yes. that ink stays right in the middle. If you're writing dramas, you should be watching dramas. If you're writing comedies, you should be watching comedies. You should know what's out there and you should know you should know tonally what the thing that you're writing where it falls in line with other things that are out there in television. Because when you're writing, you're not just writing to sell your pilot, because let's be honest, especially as a new writer, that happens almost never. You're writing to be staffed somewhere else. So you need to be writing so that someone who is a showrunner on Grey's or on whatever can read it and go, oh, this person, this isn't this show, but this is totally in line. This is a person who is able to write our show because they can write in
2: the same audience who watches my show is going to be able to read this pilot. Because you you came out of the kids' space. and I did. And... and which is its own art, and I have enormous respect for the kids' space. But it, some, some people say it's very hard to get out of kid land and into grown-up land, and now mm-hmm. you're in a very grown-up space. So I'm wondering, um, was there a, a certain spec that you wrote that got people's attention that sort of... I don't know, got you through that break?
3: I did. I wrote a spec called Prisoner, but the ER of Prisoner was written in red instead of in black. And I was very specific with my manager and agent about it. (laughs) And it was about a woman doctor who um, worked in a federal prison. And it started with a very, like a huge fight in the emergency room and people being stabbed and craziness. And then it was, it was kind of edgy, but also had heart to it. And that's, um, that's, that's what they read at Gray's. Excellent. Got me staffed there.
2: And sorry, uh, Sarah. What about you? As far as um, how you got into working in sort of the the world of iZombie? Zombie? What came before that? And, and- you know, what got their attention?
1: Yeah. I actually started as a comedy writer and mm-hmm. I was one of those people that just needed a sample for staffing season. And I thought, I'll just write a half hour cause it's shorter than doing an hour and I don't have much time to get the sample done. <laughs> and that's where the comedy lives for yeah, the most part. Exactly. And so I sort of went that path and I, I hear a lot of times people saying, you know, you need to decide whether you're a comedy writer or a one hour writer. You can't really do both. um, So I went down that path, and I was staffed on a show called The Goodwin Games, which um, was created by the guys who did How I Met Your Mother. And it lasted uh, about seven episodes, unfortunately. It was very short-lived, but it was a fantastic experience. Um, But what I discovered in that room was that the part of the process that I enjoyed the most was um, breaking story and breaking the episodes and talking about the characters, because it was kind of a serialized sitcom – Um, but the part that was more intimidating to me was pitching jokes and essentially performing for the room. Um, and so it occurred to me, maybe I'm better at being a one hour writer. And I think iZombie is sort of the perfect sweet spot because it's also very comedic and light. So it's a light one hour. Um, so I did Goodwin games and then had a couple staffing seasons where I didn't get staffed. And then the iZombie opportunity came about, and like Jen said, I think I just had a sample that was really in line with the show, Um, and I actually got that job doing a Skype meeting with um, Rob Thomas and Diane Ruggiero-Wright, who's the co-creator of the show. So that was interesting. Yeah, it was a, a video conference, and I think actually, like looking back on it, I think it really helped me because... I was so incredibly nervous about the technology failing me (laughs) that I didn't even really have time to worry about the fact that I was meeting with these writers that I really admired and loved. And so it kind of took the pressure off in a weird way. What were was you your s- backdrop? Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I, I was going to ask the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Were you
3: real careful about like yes. what's behind you on the wall? Yeah, a
0: zombie poster.
1: <laughs> no, like bottles of booze. Yeah. Yeah. I was a total nerd about it, and I actually I will say like changed my shirt like five times. <laughs> but it was kind of nice to not have to worry about the whole outfit as a whole But I was not like, during the Skype video. Not during. <laughs> no, that's what got me the job, guys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I definitely like tried to make sure I looked okay on camera and everything. Um, but yeah, it was really funny because they were also in separate places. Um, Rob lives in Austin most of the time. So it was also like, who do I look at? Like, but, um, (laughs) no, it worked out in my favor, I think. I, you know, I I had to do one of those, like
2: you guys write books. So I had to do some kind of like video thing for the distributor of the book. My publisher Mm -hmm. wanted me to do like a little video, uh like, Hey, I'm so glad that that you like this book and this is what I think about it. So I did this whole thing. And then when we looked at it, um, there was this huge anthology about Kiss <laughs>
1: behind me. I ah, wonder know. who's that one. Of was. course <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. Exactly. With sure. Vic, you know,
2: like uh, all of them in full makeup. I was like, yeah, we have to all do this. All
0: this horrible music behind you.
2: Yeah. Pat <laughs> couldn't understand why we had to. Like, trust me on this one. Just trust me.
0: We <laughs> have a curtain of some sort or a bed sheet we could put over that?
2: <laughs> so... We're going to jump to the YA stuff, although I don't know if it is that much of a jump because, um, it's writing, it's storytelling. Like Mm -hmm. you said, there's, you know, there's the, even some, some act breaks that might even be in your head, even while you're writing these novels. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah, let's start with you. Tell us about your book. This is your first one that you're getting published and it's coming out in the summer and. Tell us about it.
1: Um, Yeah, it was actually a story that started as a television idea. Like I had written a pitch document for it. And, um, essentially the book is a retelling of Peter Pan. Um, it's about a bunch of teenagers living on an Island where no one grows up. And I thought that'd be the perfect premise for a TV show. There's so many opportunities to make the Peter Pan myth a little edgier and a little bit more grown up. Um, but the feedback that I was getting at the time for my reps was that it feels too young. There's not a lot of buyers in the marketplace for teen stories. Um, but it was just one of those ideas that kind of stayed with me, um, and then eventually I was doing I was actually writing she 's all that too" for ABC family, and that never ended up getting made, but I was working with a producer named Tom Jacobson on that movie, and he was the first person who, after hearing this idea, said, "I think you should write it as a young adult novel." Um, so he really helped me with um, writing it as a partial. I wrote the first hundred pages of it and uh, with those first few chapters, I got a lit agent, and then she came back and said, "You need to write the entire book before we take it out." Um, so then I spent a few months doing that, and then, yeah, we sold it two years ago to Viking. So it'll come out in June. I'm very excited. And so it actually came out of out of what you were doing. As yeah, far as- absolutely. And I thought at the time too, when I was told, "Oh, you should write this as a book," you know, the first thing that occurred to me was like, "When am I going to have time to do that?" But once. Uh, Once I didn't get staffed one season, it was like, well, here's the perfect opportunity to still continue to write and hopefully make money off of something, even if I'm not staffed on a television show. So I kind of used the dry spell to my advantage.
2: And then, Mm. Jen, so like I said, last time you were here, oh, my gosh, we were talking about YA. She's
1: like, yeah, but I don't really – I haven't been published.
2: Okay. Whoosh. (laughs) So how – you've got – let's see. We just talked. One is – out. Yeah. One is coming out this coming week or coming mm-hmm. May 3rd, mm-hmm. May 3rd, and then possibly others on its
3: way. There'll be yeah, there will be two more in 2017-2018 that at some point I'll be able to announce.
2: Now, did this feel when you were when you were starting novel writing, did it feel like something separate from your TV or did it also feel sort of like a it, it was born out of what you were doing or just sort of a natural thing you, to do when you weren't doing TV?
3: Well, um, my first book, Jillian Cade, was also originally a TV pilot. And I That's think... Y- you know, I, I don't know if it was the same for you, Sarah, but I had the pilot. I had written a YA novel that didn't sell, but that I signed an agent off of that, that book. Um, and I had this pilot that hadn't sold but had gotten me meetings mm-hmm. and I'd been around town. And I, it just seemed fun, and once I started thinking about it in those terms, and it, the guy in the pilot, the main character was a guy and a grown-up, and he became... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very, very different from the pilot, but it came from that, and it was nice having an original structure there that I could feed off of, even though it changed so much, just having some of the building blocks of the mystery and the the world made it a faster write. <laughs> um, made it faster than it would have been
2: without it. So... So how then, if, you're, if you've got something originally in your head as a TV show, and suddenly you're like, yeah, I'll just write it as a novel. Sure, no problem. <laughs> Completely different writing styles. Div- you have to put on a different part of your brain, I would imagine. Right?
3: Yeah, and I don't, I mean, maybe you can answer this, Sarah. I don't know how to explain that.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just, when you write a
3: script, other people take care of so much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you don't you don't have to write about emotion. The emotion is all in the words and then the actors come in and make it live and make it breathe. And somebody else decides what color the walls are and all those little pieces. Whereas when you're writing a book, of course you have to be in it and say all the things you have to say what it smells like and what it looks like and what color the walls are. And it's, it's very different for me. It's amazing going back and forth because the piece of it that I miss when I'm doing one, I then get to switch and do it when I'm doing the other
2: that's great and do you Mm -hmm. ever have to remind yourself like oh wait a minute paint the walls
3: (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know my brain doesn't work that way does yours do you
1: a little bit i mean i would say my editor really held my hand through the process the first Mm -hmm. time around because um i had written the full manuscript and the original draft of the book jumped around from various characters perspectives because that's what you get to do on a tv show you know you get to Mm -hmm. see other storylines and you know there's plenty of scenes of a zombie that Liv might not be in but we don't have to always have her in every scene Uh, my editor really and because young adult books um, are generally always told through the perspective of usually a young female heroine she really wanted me to pick out one character and stick with her Um, so that was a huge change um, but it was also, uh, you know, looking back on it, it was the right advice and I think it made for a better book. But initially I was like, no, but I want everyone's perspective because <laughs> it's easier that way. And that's what I'm used to. But, um, yeah, so it was definitely a learning. There was a learning curve for me. Do you think that you're going to do another one? Uh, I am actually currently working on the sequel for the first book. Yeah. 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 So that's been interesting too, because it's like, Oh, I'm st- still have to write about these people. Um, But it's been a lot of fun to sort of, uh, the first book was very contained. It takes place, you know, primarily on an island. And I was able to break out of that a little bit in the second book.
2: They found a boat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter one, the boat. The boat
0: arrives.
2: (laughs) Um, You know, this is, this is, uh, I I would imagine too, like as authors um, in the YA space, you actually probably benefited from your tv experience because you probably you probably have an economy that a lot of editors appreciate because when they're reading first manuscripts sometimes they can be so filled with stuff i mean it's not only the painting of the walls it's you know how the paint was made you know so right. so having so but you knew better right you've you've jumped into scenes so i would imagine that makes you even a better novelist for that training i think so and i think I mean,
3: what I heard when I was meeting with agents and meeting with editors, um, is that screenwriters are nice to work with because we work really fast. If you work in TV or movies, you, you know, you have to be able to write fast. You've got a deadline and it's quick. Um, generally speaking, we know how to do dialogue because that is before books. That's mostly what we did. And we're not precious about notes, I think, because if you're working in TV, you're, you are you're gonna things ripped apart. You're gonna you know you're gonna get it from the network, the studio, your showrunner, from the other writers, from everyone. So you don't. If you can bring all that to books, it's actually very helpful for your editor.
2: And we've talked a little bit about you know breaking in in the industry on this podcast. Actually, we've talked a lot about it. Um, but I bet there are some people out there who are potential YA literature, uh, novelists, uh, writers, literature, novelist, writers, you know, (laughs) I just like to say the same thing. I'd like to call
1: an editor. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh my God. But they're going They're They're saying right now, how do I get my book published? So were your agents getting you lit agents or is this something that you had to do on your own or any advice? I guess I, 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 that you could give to aspiring YA novelists as to their big break. Or is there anything?
1: I mean, I would say it really does help to have a lit agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was lucky that I had um, TV agents at the time who um, referred me to my lit agent. Um, So I think that sort of helped get my pages on the top of her pile. Um, But as far as advice, if you don't have an agent, I mean, I have heard a lot of people getting traction just sending query letters and you know sending a few chapters of their book and getting people excited about it that way seems to me like in publishing um people are more willing to take a chance on an unknown entity than they are in film and tv
2: definitely and and i mean it seems like there's been a big boom too of sort of course in ya but Mm -hmm. it seems maybe it's just sort of seeing through the eyes of my 15 year old reader but i'm suddenly Mm -hmm. like Books seem really popular. Like it, did, <laughs> it seems like everybody is is interested in books all over again, whether it's adult or whether it's YA or probably. I mean, it might be because, a pretty general thing for well, me. To
3: say. no, but it's IP. It's a, you know, and if you have if you already have eyeballs on something, and then you're going to put it on a screen, that translates to more dollars for everyone. But speaking of your fifteen year old, I just want to say that um, PLR's fifteen year old was actually the first real live teenager to read one of my books because she read shuffle repeat as a beta reader I said "Oh wow would you take a look at this?" and she did and Jillian Cade hadn't come out yet so it hadn't it was back in that process and she was amazing and articulate with her thoughts and had really great things to say and and she is thanked in that book. So make sure you get it and
2: look I, for Lars. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? Oh, sure. Really sure. Sweet. Sure. No, absolutely. I know she was, she loved this book too. Aww. I am not blowing smoke because trust me, <laughs> if she didn't like this book, I would just be keeping my mouth shut right now because she, <laughs> she, she, know? Will, she will tell me when she doesn't like of you know, a friend's stuff too. Cause mm-hmm. people were giving her a lot of things, but with yours, she lit up, she Aww. loved it. And, and also she particularly appreciated a, a character in there that is a bisexual character yes and she was she, she thought that was great she hadn't yet read a character like that in in the stuff that she had read
0: yes doesn't she have like a website or something where she reviews books
2: she did she she has a youtube channel okay. and it used to be all books but then it became you know other things movies you know, she, music just, and well she's she's getting older so like <laughs> any you know when you're a teenager right you suddenly you're like you know what I've discovered feminism. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: <laughs> everything, everything hits you hard. I, I always have this theory, like between eight and 18, whatever you love between those years, mm-hmm. you'll always come back to your whole life. Like music, the movies that you loved and that around that age, you'll always come back to it at some point, you know, Star
3: Wars, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and I
0: was like 10 when that came out. Yeah. So that was like the perfect age for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you never really let that stuff yeah. go. Cause I'd... you, you feel everything so deeply mm-hmm. around that. You know, that's, yeah. relationships all of it. Why
2: well, you guys have a huge responsibility with your books. Like you know, you don't want your teenager reading bad YA. You just <laughs> don't. You know, if they're caught up in some kind of fantasy cycle that is, you know, is is just so shallow, you just you're, you're killing yourself, you know, but if it's really good in depth material, um that can shape who they are, and that's what you guys are doing.
0: Did Sarah read like the Divergent stuff? And the, um... she
2: did. She was very into the dystopic thing when she first started out, and then she got very into relationships, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and and now she just says, "Oh, you wouldn't understand." So I, I don't. know. <laughs> <laughs> is,
0: is, so is, Judy, he, is Judy Bloom still kicking around? Is
3: Judy she, Bloom, I do not think is still oh, kicking around. Oh, no, she's alive. She's alive, she and she released an adult book. Uh, I think last year I went and saw her speak downtown L.A. Oh, so she's. Cool. Amazing, really! Oh Oh, my gosh, she's still like sparkling and eloquent and super funny on
1: Twitter too, right?
3: I think so. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She once,
2: yes, we tweeted once together about
1: a card game, (laughs) which was still amazing. (laughs) Yes,
2: well, I apologize. I thought, I thought that you know, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Was you know something that was old timey because that's what I read when I was right, right? But is it? Is it? are people going back to that or that? I don't know. Okay. I don't know if kids are still reading
3: Judy bloom. I mean, I would hope so because I think she writes timelessly mm-hmm. in a, like, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Yes. Kids can find out that information on the web, but, but that's still a story about a girl figuring out her body. Right. For the first time. Yeah. And that, I think that, I think that's forever for God. teenagers.
2: I want, I want, I I know I should probably sign off, but I do actually have one other question I forgot to ask you that actually goes back to TV for just a second. Mm -hmm. Because it occurred to me that both of you have a real handle on nonlinear writing. Um, Watching That Grey's Anatomy from last week, which Mm -hmm. went between contemporary and past, and sometimes would go into like five minutes in the past Mm -hmm. and then jump back. Also, Shuffle Repeat has a nonlinear... That's true. Part yes. It, right. And then, uh, Sarah with iZombie, you know, you're, it's a procedural in some ways mm-hmm. and she's going into the memories of somebody in the past and a lot of people, you know, they're trying to handle a nonlinear, uh, format as they're writing any tips on keeping it organized.
1: Outline. Outline. I'm yeah. big on outlining I'm too. books and TV. Um, I feel like it's really nice to have a roadmap and it's so much easier to go back and change that roadmap than to have 300 pages of a book written and then r- realize you need to go back and fix stuff or to have an entire pilot written and then realize it's not working. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's sort of the obvious piece of advice. I can
3: but come you up know, with. What though, I don't know that that's obvious because especially in the YA world. There are, there are two camps of people, the plotters and the pantsers. <laughs> What's a
2: pantser? <laughs> I
3: know, right? It's mm-hmm. someone who yanks down people's... No. <laughs> um, the plotters are people who outline, like I do and like Sarah was saying, and pantsers are people who write by the seat of their pants and just write their way through a book, which to me sounds crazy. I don't know how... I mean, it, some people do it, and I can't name names right now. I can't even think of who Kerouac. does.
0: Didn't didn't he just sit there with a big roll of paper and just type for um, Benzedrine for a week?
3: Robbins, too, I think. Like Skinny Legs and all. What's his name? Tom Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins, yes. Tim Robbins is the actor. Yeah, right. Right. And I get them confused. Um, But I believe I've heard that author that he does it that way, which to me makes no sense. Also, his books are crazy. So you read the first sentence and go,
2: wait, that's where you started? Mm yeah so it it can happen. you can discover along the way, but if you're doing nonlinear, I would imagine that an outline really helps because as yes. you're going forward with a contemporary story, suddenly you're going, okay, this could be a good place for the flashback or this is where we collide with the past, and we have to start bringing that out, or something. something
3: I mean, I, I think lines. you break
2: those two pieces separately, and then if, figure out where they where they yeah.
3: weave, right? where <laughs> they weave or twin. I,
2: I'm learning so much. Uh,
3: yes, no. With shuffle, repeat, their flash forwards mm-hmm. into um, into a day in her future, and I I broke that story separately, and then went back and took the pieces and fitted them into where they worked within the body of the novel. And then had to, you know, had to tweak things and massage <laughs> without <laughs> an actual massage. Um, but I, w- I, mean that, I would say that's how you do it, is if you're writing non linearly, you still have to figure out the chronological order mm-hmm. of all those pieces of that puzzle and then figure out how to stick them together.
0: I have a, I have a remedial... Screenwriting question. I, I think I've kids. been
2: asking a lot
3: of remedial No, this is screen. really remedial. Right. This
0: is like the technical. So if you're writing a flashback on, on the page, um, oh. <laughs> is that in the scene direction? Flashback, is that a separate title, headline? It's,
2: it's usually in the slug line. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, in the slug line slash scene header, it depends on what you call it. Interior, but, hospital, emergency room. Flashback. Yep. Oh, okay. And then when you're back, you're back to present. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you say end flashback or back to present like if you have a
3: we'll do it as a separate scene. Mm-hmm. But so. okay, but yeah, present but day story. or right. just day or
2: night or whatever it is. That's how we do it. So yeah, you do have to and it's it's actually I'm glad you asked the question because I read when I read a script and people have not said this is flashback, it can Mm. completely change your read. So that, because there's no reason not to trust that this couldn't happen in a linear fashion. I'm in your hands, writer, you know? right? So if you say this is happening, and they'll go, no, 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 of course that was in the past. No, not of course. (laughs) No, you have to put it on the page. Mm -hmm. Or when people don't, and this goes with dream sequences too, Mm. they don't say that it's a dream sequence, at least having somebody wake up, and somebody goes, no, 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 that was fantasy. Like, Really? Okay. Well, I thought that the talking bear was actually in your script. I know there you go. have to say that That's in the script, right. unless you say something like at the end of the scene, and this is where we realize that it was right. part of a dream because right. duh, 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 somebody wakes up. Exactly. Right. So, so just a that was a, a little segue, but I'm glad that you mentioned
1: it. Yeah, um, but those mm-hmm. flash forwards make me so much more excited to read Shuffle oh. Repeat. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> intrigued. I can't wait to read the book. And
2: one of the first things that that Sarah, my Sarah, uh, said when she was reading it was, "Oh my gosh, it's called Shuffle Repeat because like she totally got like the nonlinear thing, oh, and great. she really loved that aspect of it because it made it. I think. For her, she was tired of being babysat through books. You know Mm. where they looked down on the reader and thought, "Well, they can't handle this this kind of storytelling." And she really loved the sophistication of it. Oh, that's great! That's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I I can't. You know what? I'm I'm gonna read it too. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Um, So let's. I'm
0: gonna wait for the movie. (laughs) Your lips. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so so let's, let's make sure that everybody gets all this stuff out that people should watch and that they should buy. So, Sarah, let's start with you. What should they watch and what should they buy and where should they go to do it?
1: Okay, well, you should definitely watch iZombie. Um, we just, our season finale actually aired last week, but um, there's episodes on Amazon if you want to catch up and I believe probably on demand as well um, and on iTunes and we don't know yet if we'll be on the fall schedule for next year or mid-season. Um, but yes, please catch up and watch iZombie. It's a fantastic show. Um, and if you feel inclined to buy my book, it comes out June 21st, and you can buy it on Amazon already. Awesome. And the name of the book again? Oh, yes, of course. That's important. It's <laughs> called Never Ever.
2: Never Ever. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jen?
2: Uh, Grey's
3: Anatomy is right now in season 12, airing on ABC. You Twelve. Twelve. Could-
1: 12
3: wow. so and we start wow. season, we start breaking season 13 in a week wow which is crazy our finale starts shooting this week and we'll start also breaking season 13 um I will tell you, so many teenagers have been watching it because they binge watch it. We have new generations Mm -hmm. of kids who are watching the show from the beginning and binge their way through it and then catch up to us. We've had people say, "Um, I wanted to become a surgeon because of your show. Like, how amazing is that? It's so cool.
0: And they've already made it all the way through medical school. (laughs) (laughs) And the time time it's been
3: on. on. Absolutely. So we're in season 12 now it's airing on ABC through, I want to say May, the middle of May ish is our last episode, I think. Um, and then it'll start back up again in the fall. And in the meantime, you can see it on Netflix or iTunes or wherever you see network television. And what should they buy Jen? Well, (laughs) you can buy Jillian Cade, fake paranormal investigator from Soho teen, and it's available on Amazon or support your independent bookstores. Um, Shuffle Repeat comes out from Random House on May 3rd, and you can also pre-order it now on Amazon or support your independent bookstores. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And Mike, we're all going to watch your show. Yeah, Say ten, what th- yes. again. <laughs>
0: 10 Things You Must Do in Taiwan. Excellent. And when you think Taiwan, you think, you know, white guy from Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm the face of Taiwan. Though. Um, yeah, so that's April 23rd on CNBC, 1230 Pacific. 3.30 Eastern.
2: Excellent. And tune into the Travel Tales Travel podcast. TravelTalesPodcast.com. Well, it's, a, it's a really fun show. You've done it. I have done it. My, my daughter's done it. Yes. I guess. And, uh, and, you know, I've only been to like 10 countries since. I know. You, so you've been I'm getting around. For an invitation <laughs> You're again. ready for another one. I am. Absolutely. Um, everybody go to onthepage.tv. Uh, look at the classes that are in person here at the studio. We've got um, May 1st is uh, the TV class, it's all day, and it's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and uh, Carol Kirshner, um, who is head of the CBS Diversity Program, and also the WGA Showrunners Program is our guest speaker from four to five. So come and do that. If you can't do that, there is a recorded TV class through Cinevee, but you can find it through my website. Just go to the online classes on onthepage.tv. I'm going to take a moment for a second because I have to make an announcement to people. Um, It's going to be a little bit sad, okay? So everybody brace yourself a little bit. So um, uh, back in November, um, actually December, my mother, uh, Sidel Pitas, recorded a podcast and it was called Loglining Your Life, and we looked at her life through mm-hmm. five different movie loglines of her life. It was really, really fun to do, and a great way to find out more about her. Um, people wrote in, and they said that they really enjoyed the, the episode, and I so much appreciate it. In January, um, her cancer came back, and she passed away last week, last Sunday. And mm-hmm. uh, I put this on the Facebook, and on the page Facebook, and a lot of people responded, and they were just lovely about it. But I wanted to make an a, an announcement on this podcast again because people mm-hmm. have listened and they liked it. Um, I want to tell you, Jen, that um, I went to see her last week, you know, right before mm-hmm. um, it happened, and it was in Florida. And I knew that the next morning would probably be my last morning wow. to see her and I was going to say goodbye. So here, here it was the night before and I'm, I'm waiting for these pearls of wisdom. You know, my mom has always <laughs> been full of advice and, you know, and, uh, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that thing. It's our night, night before and, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's movies, right? You, you expect these things. Okay, mom, lay it on me. And... She wanted to watch Grey's Anatomy (laughs) (laughs) because she has Uh never missed the show. Uh It was her favorite show. And so, the, my last night with my mom, we watched Grey's Anatomy together. Aww. So, I it's thank it's you very nice that thank you're here. And Sarah, thank you for of sharing. Course. It. And Mike, thanks for spending time with her in Vietnam.
0: Oh yeah, she was great.
2: Yeah, she she, she loved her time with handsome Mike. She <laughs> sounds amazing. Your tribute to her was beautiful. Yeah, She's quite a lady. She she was. So I'm dedicating I have to, listen to the podcast. It's that you did with it's her. you know what? It's a great way to get to know somebody yeah. is to sit down and and ask them what do you think is the movie of your life? That's, That's a, a really interesting way to get people talking. and You'll find out things about them that you never found out before. Hmm. So it, it's been a wonderful opportunity I had with this podcast to do that. So I want to thank all of you guys for being here. Uh, this, is, this episode is clearly dedicated to her, Sadell Pitas. Um, but I want to thank all of you for listening as well. And have a good writing week. <laughs> oh, 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 oh